Welcome to On The Ledge podcast, episode 147, and it's a mystery, a plant mystery. I'm your host, Jane Perone, and we're talking identifying plants. If you've ever been kept up at night wondering what on earth that plant that came with a label only marked foliage plant is, then join the club. We've all been there. And this week we're going to try to untangle some of the issues around plant identification with the help of an expert. Yaku Nell is one of the fleet of experts who help to identify plants sent into the smart plant identification app. So we ask him to reveal his plant identification secrets and set him a challenge, which turns out to be a bit of a doozy, actually. I got an email this week which constituted the only feedback I've had of the negative kind about my discussion of the Black Lives Matters movement in a recent episode. And I wanted to just bring you a little bit of my response to this listener so that you can understand if perhaps if you've felt uncomfortable with what I've said, uh, this will help you to understand where I'm coming from. The listener has basically argued that they're confronted with politics everywhere they turn from news, TV shows, sports, at work. And so the podcast was an escape and they're not sure what BLM has to do with plants. And apparently this has ruined the podcast for them. So this was my response. Thanks for your email. I'm truly disappointed to know you feel that On The Ledge has been ruined for you by a short segment amid dozens of hours of audio and more than 140 episodes. Here's the thing though, plants are political. The battles that have raged in order to produce the coffee in your cup or the chocolate bar in your lunchbox are testament to that. House plants are political too, from the Victorian plant hunters fanning out across the globe to discover, that's in inverted commas, species, to the poachers still tearing succulents out of the ground in South Africa, and Venus flytraps from the swamps of the Carolinas. To deny that would, to borrow a metaphor I have used on the podcast before, looking at the world through glasses fogged by ignorance. It's my mission to try to understand and explain all facets of houseplants, and that includes addressing why black people are underrepresented in horticulture, and doing my best to help change that. I hope I don't lose you as a listener, and you'll be able to come on this journey of discovery with me. It may not always be comfortable to hear, but it will always be fascinating. Regards, Jane. And I really mean that I hope any listener who feels uncomfortable with discussions of race in the context of gardening and plants will hang around because the only way we're going to change things is by communicating with each other and learning from each other. And the more you hear from a diverse as possible set of people when it comes to houseplants, then the better your education and roundedness will become. So... Yeah, keep listening, please, and let's go on a journey together. In other news, Eliza became a legend this week. 
pledging $5 a month to support On The Ledge and Mary donated via co-fi.com and find out more about how to support the show by visiting the show notes at janeperone.com. An update on plant passports. If you're in the UK and you've been following this debate or you listened to my Nicola Spence episode a few months back about the British government's change in rules which basically meant that anybody who was selling plants was going to have to register to issue plant passports. You'll be interested to know that I was given a phone call by my local plant inspector recently and she told me that I'd basically been deregistered because the rules have changed that they've decided that hobbyists those not making a profit from selling plants no longer need to be registered but i will update the plant passports show notes to this effect and i will put any links that i find that uh, confirm this into those notes because obviously this is a change that could affect quite a few of you and hopefully in a good way in that you don't have to worry about plant passports or shelling out for annual inspections In a world where information is available at the tip of our fingers, it's surprising perhaps that we can struggle to identify a houseplant. But yes, it still happens. Whether you've picked something up in a sale and it's just had a rather cryptic label on it, or perhaps no label at all, or you've been handed a plant by a relative or a friend, or picked something up at a swap and you just don't know what it is. So where do you start? Well, I always think with plant identification, it's a bit like a giant maze. There may be several paths to reaching your destination, the name of the plant, obviously, and there are different ways of getting there. You've just got to find out the one that works for you. And oftentimes when the topic of plant identification comes up, people immediately comment when I ask for an ID on social media and say, oh, have you tried this app or that app? And have you tried Google Lens? And that always slightly makes me feel uncomfortable. And here's why. I think these apps are absolutely brilliant. Uh, things like Google Lens are, are brilliant. I, I cannot tell you how exciting it was when my son was doing a survey of the spiders in our house and we pointed Google Lens at a spider on the ceiling and it immediately identified it, I hope correctly, as a particular species of spider. It was miraculous. But when I've tested these apps myself, I'm talking about the apps that use some form of AI to identify a plant or indeed anything else. It's sometimes been disappointing because I've tested out the app on a plant that I know very well the name of and it hasn't always been correct. Oftentimes it is, which is remarkable, but you have to be aware that it's not always going to send you in the right direction and in fact I'm going to do a little bit of a live experiment here on on the ledge I've got my smartphone here and I'm going to have a go with Google Lens to identify a plant that's here on my windowsill to see if Google Lens can identify it just reaching round to get the camera on the plant let's see the light's not great which doesn't help let's see if we can put a bit more light there there we go Okay, well, Google Lens is telling me that it's either Hoya carnosa, Peperomia obtusifolia, or just generally a Hoya. It is, in fact, a Hoya australis lisa. So, not bad. It took me to roughly the right direction. I'm going to try one more that's on my windowsill here. 
This is a pretty distinctive plant, so I don't know if... Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, this is actually been identified as either a Swiss cheese plant, a philodendron, or a raphidophora, and I see where it's coming from. It is, in fact, a chrysocardium, the fern leaf cactus. So, yeah, the plant, the lens was confused by the shape of the plant and couldn't quite identify it. But as I say, it's definitely worth having a go with some of these apps. I think the problem is, though, that it can shortcut our own eyes and their power to identify things. Coming up in the second half of the show, I'm going to be talking to Yaku Nell, who works for Smart Plant, which is an app that uses actual human being experts to identify plants sent in by the app users. Um, and obviously that's offering a completely different level of expertise. A human brain is looking at the photo and interpreting it. But what if you don't want to sign up for an app? You can send the pictures to me and I will do my best to identify things. And there are many forums online where you can post pictures and people will try to identify your plant. Just beware the first person who comments very confidently about your plant because oftentimes that's not correct. So do wait for the wisdom of the crowds to weigh in before you take any ID as being correct. But say you want to have a go at doing it yourself. Where do you begin? Well, uh, as ever, I'm going to quote uh, Dr. Heseon. And there's a book that he put out in... What's the date on this book? Let's have a look. Um, boring bit of podcasting here while I turn to find the right page. 85, this came out. And it's called The Indoor Plant Spotter. And it's pretty much a retread of the houseplant expert. But there's one thing in here which is rather useful. And it's the way that the plants are arranged. And particularly, there's a key to the houseplant groups at the front. And this relates to the different sessions of the book. So I've got another plant here, which I'm going to do a little experiment on um, to see whether I can ident correctly identify it from using this special key. It's a bit like when you read a, a woman's magazine and it'll have a quiz. Are you a outgoing person? Or are you an extrovert or an introvert? And you have to answer various questions and find out the answer. Well, I'm hoping that this will be a little bit more informative than those quizzes ever were. So let's start. Okay, start here. Does the plant bear distinct spines or bristles on its stem? Okay, looking at it, no spines or bristles. Okay, if I'd have said yes, that would have taken me to a few pages of spiny stem plants, which are obviously mainly cacti and some other things um, in there as well, probably some euphorbias and so on. Uh, but that's not where I'm going today. So I'm going to look down and see, is the plant covered with dense hair? Mm, not dense hair, no. Are the leaves swollen and fused, making the plants look like small stones? You can see where he's going with that one, can't you? No, it's not lithops. Okay, no. Is the plant grown mainly for its decorative leaves and or stems? Okay. Mm. Well, currently this plant isn't in flower, but I happen to know that it does flower. So I'm going to say no. Okay. Is the plant grown mainly for its decorative fruits? No. Do the flower-bearing stems trail over the side of the pot? No. 
Do the stems of the adult plant have to be supported by canes or wires? No. Are you guessing what this is yet? Any guesses uh, gratefully received? Are the flowers white or cream? No. Okay, that would have taken me to white flowering plants, but I'm going to go along and there's an option for blue flowering plants. Yes. Okay, I'm going to go through to the blue flowering plants and this has now narrowed it down to not very many pages, which I can glance through in the hope of finding my plant. Let's have a look. Huh, well, actually, I guess I was slightly incorrect to say the flowers are blue. <laughs> actually, the flowers are, what should I have picked instead? Let's see if I can find the actual plant in here. I probably should have gone for multicolored flowers. The plant is a St. Paulia, an African violet, and I think I probably went slightly wrong there, but uh, okay, yes, African violets were listed under multicolored flowers. But you get the idea. This book does give you a little bit of a checklist to go through in order to try to get you to narrowing down the kind of plant you have. And you don't really need this book in order to do that because you can pretty much work it out for yourself. I mean, there's rosette plants, bushy plants, spear leaf plants, grassy leaf plants. There's various categories you can probably work out for yourself in terms of the narrowing down of the species. But it is really worth, if you can get hold of some house plant books, having a flick through. I know it's tempting to go online, but you know what? Oftentimes when you've got a, a physical book in your hand and you can flick through the pages, it's easier to actually focus down on what you're looking for. I'll put a link to this indoor plant spotter book into the show notes in case you're interested in having a look. As I say, the material, if you've already got a, a Hesse on houseplant book, the pictures and the material and the info is largely the same. It's down to where it's, uh, how it's arranged and this little chart at the front. But you know, if you're a Hesse on completist like me, you probably want to get your hands on that book. One of the other things you can do when you're trying to ID a plant is consider plant families. Now, if you remember back to the botanical Latin episode, most plant names come in the form of a species and a genus. And the genus is like your surname and the species is like your first name. Now, the family level is one level above genus. So one level above Perone. I'm not sure how you'd describe that, but there are about 600 different plant families in the plant kingdom. And quite a few of them are known as containing quite a few houseplant species. And when you're thinking about plants, it is worth thinking in terms of family when you're trying to identify a plant, just narrowing down what plant family that your plant might belong to. And I'm just going to go through a few of the plant families just to give you an idea of some of these groupings, because once you do know that your plant is in the Aureliaceae group or the Saxifragia group or the mint group, this will just help you to narrow down and look more closely at those particular families and the genera within those families as you narrow down your options. So one of the most well-known families is the Aroid family, the Aratiae. They're also sometimes known as the Arum family. And if you ever come across a plant that's got a flower that looks like a peace lily flower, so you've got essential inflorescence or spike, which has got lots of tiny, tiny, tiny flowers all over it, uh, called a spadix, um, oftentimes that will be 
wrapped around with a sort of a cloak-like bract. Again, think of the peace lily. This is a good indication that this plant comes from the Eratiae family. And this family is home to many of our favourites, like the genus Monstera, the genus Philodendron, plus also Anthurium, Zamiococcus and Diefenbachia. So lots of plants that we know and love in that family. I think I've spoken before about the fact that members of the mint or dead nettle or sage family, Lamiaceae, have got oftentimes, almost all of the plants in this species, not quite all, but most of them have got square stems. So if you have a finger on the stem and feel the stem of a basil or a sage or a mint, you'll feel that the stem has distinct right angles to it. It is really square shaped. So if you feel a square shaped stem, that's a really good indication the plant is member of the Lamiaceae family, which has more than 200 genera, including Selenostemon or the Coleus family, as we know, and loads of the windowsill herbs you might be growing, such as sages and basils and so on. And the other thing that's really distinctive about this family is the fact that the flowers if you look closely, you'll see that the petals are kind of melded together into uh, an upper lip and a lower lip. And one of the name, the other names for this plant family is Labiaceae. I'll leave you to work out the, the reference there. But yeah, this is a, a big family of lots of plants and a fair few houseplants in it. So that's another one to bear in mind. Then there's the Aureliaceae, the Aurelia family, around 55 genera in this one. And this includes things like Hedera, the Ivy, Schefflera, the Umbrella Tree. These are often woody plants. You might also see this family known as the Ginseng family. Uh, most of the species come from Southeast Asia and um, the, the tropical parts of the Americas. So from tropical parts of the world. And another plant that's in this family is Fatsia japonica, that wonderful false castor oil plant, which looks so glossy and wonderful and has the rather fancy cultivar spider's web with its cream splashed variegation. A couple more to mention. There's the Euphorbias or the Spurges, Euphorbiaceae. More than 200 genera in this family. So it's huge and there's quite a lot of taxonomic change going on all the time with this group. So it's a bit tricky. But there are loads of plants that are grown as houseplants and indeed garden plants in this family. And one of the things that unifies many of these plants is they do give off a milky sap when they the stem is broken or the leaf is broken. And this is an irritant and toxic, so you don't want to get it on your skin. So if you see a plant and it has some milky sap on it, it's a fairly good bet that it might be in the euphorbia family. And oftentimes the succulent euphorbias are mistaken for cacti, but they're not cacti. It's a case of convergent evolution where two different evolutionary journeys have been happening simultaneously to different plants in, di plants in different parts of the world. So we do have euphorbias that are often mistaken for cacti, like the African milk bush, euphorbia trigona. And of course, the other plant that's in this family is euphorbia pulcherima, the ever so popular poinsettia. As you know, not one of my favourites, but had to give it a mention as it's such a well-known plant. And then there's Comilinaceae, the spiderwort family, and this contains all the Tradius scantia group and Cyanotis gen genus, loads of plants in there that are grown as houseplants. So 
There's a few families, there are loads more. If you want to get further into this, then do have a look online. There's lots of websites, including Wikipedia, that have got extensive lists of different plant families. And the more you study them, the more you will understand how to identify plants in their particular family. looking for a fast and reliable way to be rid of the pain, itching and swelling caused by insect bites, invest in a BiteAway. The BiteAway is a battery powered portable device that uses concentrated heat directly onto the site of a bite to quickly deal with the discomfort they bring. How does it work? Just press the bite away, which is about the size of a chunky marker pen, onto the surface of the skin where you've been bitten, press the button, and a short spell of heat acts to stop the itching and start to bring down the swelling. I've been recommending the bite away to all my friends and family because I've been so impressed with how well it works. Bite away is dermatologically tested and compact enough to stick in your first aid kit when traveling or pop in your pocket when you're working in the garden or hiking. It's suitable for use by allergy sufferers and pregnant women, and you can use it on children safely too. The Bite Away is available from Amazon UK for £26.99. Find out more at mybiteaway.co.uk. That's mybiteaway.co.uk. ever wondered about the mind palace that is your brain trying to locate a vital piece of information that password for the little used app you now desperately need for work or the date of your daughter's next piano lesson say you'll have a tiny bit of insight about what it feels like to be yaku nell he works for the app smart plant identifying plants from photos sent in by the app's users i spoke to him to get an idea of what's involved in identifying a plant and I challenged him to do a live plant ID of a mystery set of foliage sent in by a listener to this show. And let me tell you, the job's not as easy as you may think as the plant ID challenge indicates. Do visit the show notes at janeperone.com while you're listening if you want to have a look at the mystery plant and try to ID it yourself. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Yaku. I am in awe of your role working for Smart Plant, helping the world identify plants with a particular focus on indoor plants. Are there any plants that, or you know, particularly indoor plants that you just see over and over and over again until you want to scream? Scream, no, but the, 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 the real interesting thing is, is that they do come in waves and you can almost set your seasonal clock um, by some plants. But with indoor plants, it's mostly what is currently being sold in the nurseries. It's very interesting. If there's some, you can see how the trends um, in, in the trade develop um, by what is coming in. What comes through regularly, Diefenbachia um, is one that we see often and in various forms. Aglu, uh, I know that as aglonema, but I know some people call it aglonema. The common name for it is Chinese greens. That comes through also um, quite a lot. When I studied horticulture, um, it used to be a very small group of select plants. I think Silver Queen was one of the cultivars. Uh, Rubellini was one of the others. Now there's uh, uh, Siam um, Pink, Siam Aurora. There's all kinds of new colours available. Um, so that comes through um, quite a lot also. 
And, and this spathophyllium is another one. Um, and spath is, is an interesting one. That's not one that people actually ask the name of when they've bought it. That's the one that they ask the name of when things start going wrong. Uh, then they want to know what is this and what should I do to fix this, that kind of thing. I guess the nurseries are doing you a favour in sending you work by just putting foliage plant on the label rather than anything more actually accurate about the name of a plant because so many plants you buy do come with very limited information, don't they? Are there any indoor plants that, or groups of indoor plants that are particularly hard to pin down that you kind of your heart sinks when you see uh, an id come in that you need to do yes and no the yes is for cultivar status because there's so many new cultivars being released um, regularly um, and with the new cultivars that comes on 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 um, well become available in the marketplace the, the sad thing is is that um there's very little information because the growers are protecting their sort of breeders' rights. Um, um, they don't want to tell you who the two parent um, species were that were involved in making this union. They don't want to tell you if it's a sport or a, a mutation. And you can understand that. You can understand that they are probably sort of either don't know, they found it somewhere from a, another grower, bought it and, and developed it into a product, or they are actively doing their own hybridization program, selection program, and that's costly. Um, and you can understand that they protect that. But for me, as a sort of a plant geek, I find that frustrating. So I very often go onto the internet and then go and search for the information. Um, and in terms of plants coming in um, with requests of, of what it is, difficult ones, I, I found in the beginning, I found Peperomia to be a very interesting one because the information um, was so lacking. And of course, you know, I, I don't have an entire plant library in my, um, at my home where I work. So you inevitably go online and, and start looking. Um, and the interesting thing is it's very easy to actually quickly decide the family, then hone in on the, the genus, and then you start looking for either species or cultivar. But if you have the family and the genus, you are more than 50% there knowing where, you know, where to go. And if I can draw that back to the photographs you've sent me to, to have a look, it, it's, it's quite definitely that this is a, a plant that belongs to the, the spider warts. I've been a bit mean to you, haven't I? Because I've, I've, I've asked you to do a sort of a live identification of a plant that's been sent in by yes. a listener. Her name is Rosika and she's got this plant which she is wanting to identify and she's in New York State and she's an ICU nurse, so I guess she's pretty busy right now. But she's got this plant and wants an ID because she got it at a plant swap and I guess that's often how this can happen so so you've narrowed it down to a spider work where would you what, what's telling you that it's in that particular category it's the way that it grows it's opposite leaves um, it's the way the leaf um, the base of the leaf hugs the the stem um, there's also very fine filamentaceous hairs all along the edge of the leaf um, and uh, the leaf is lanceolate. Um, 
I, I, the, the, the genus is not for me, I, I know where to go and look for it, and this is where the process will start looking for, for the answers. I know that we're looking at family um, Comelia, um, I'm not going to get my tongue around this today. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> this is, they call it stage fright, isn't it? But it's the um, Tradescantia family, the, the, the broader family, a monocotyledon. I think the first thing that you look at is, is it monocot or is it a, a dicotyledon? And those are either the, the, the one seed lobed or two seed lobed plants um, to, in layman's terms. Um, so this is a monocot, uh, and then I go order Comilinealis and family Comilineacea. Then you start looking for where we should look for the specifics of this plant. Obviously, always difficult stuff that actually trips you up. Um, and I'm wondering if this is not a possibility in this instance. Uh, let's just see. Um, I'm I'm having a look at uh, Dicorisandra, which is the um, blue uh, ginger, um, but I don't think this is blue ginger. I, I'm the, at the same stage as you, is that, that I came to the same conclusions as you, that, you know, spider wort of some kind, and then kind of like, oh, okay, not quite sure where to take it after that. Um, and what, just, I'm just looking at the email to see if there's any more information in here that might help us. Um, this was from somebody, she got it on, in a swap, and she said it was a cutting from a temple somewhere in Southeast Asia. <laughs> which is not particularly helpful I guess in terms of it could be there are so many plants which are naturalized all over the world but I guess and also it's not helping in that it's we can't really see the habit because it's so small so it could be trailing but it's just going up at the moment it's still very young and this is the interesting thing and the difficulty is is if you get very young plants or plants that are growing atypically because they're not in the correct light yes um then it becomes really really interesting um and you have to sort of that, that's where experience um is is the, absolutely essential um that you know that certain plants will react in a certain way um there's there's a Another possibility that I want to explore on that is spiral gingers, but there's no spiral growth on the foliage. So for me, I am not sure. Let's just see the overall. It could be a spiral ginger, actually. If you look at how they... That could be a spiral ginger. Well, that's thrown that's thrown another thought into it. I, I'm wondering if this is going to be one of these ones, which this one ha once happened to me, where literally I woke up in the middle of the night and jumped out of bed when I suddenly remembered the name of a plant that somebody had sent me a picture of to identify. I tell you, I'm so pleased to hear you say that because I, I always think to myself, I'm the numpty, you know, because I, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night yeah. and go, that's where I need to go and have a look, you know, and then you... It does. I mean, the plant that ha happened for me was um, the monkey plant, Ruelia macoyana. Actually, that might not be the current species that is yes. that's what it used to be called anyway. And it's the plant that obviously I re recalled from my past, but it was so deep in my brain. And somebody sent me this picture... And I was looking through, trying to think, what is that? What is it? And then it came to me in the night. <laughs> 
my husband, I'm sure, was in despair at me kind of leaping up suddenly and going, I know what it is. But it, it can take you a while to access the information deep in your brain, can't it? Absolutely. And it just depends on how tired the hamster is in finding that information in your in your hard drive, you know. It, it's quite interesting living with people that aren't plant geeks. Um, they don't understand it. Uh, and I'll, I'll never forget, many years ago, I went for a, a hike um, in the Kruger National Park in Southern Africa with a bunch of Twitters, bird watchers. And it, the funniest thing was, is there were one or two people that were plant watchers and then the rest were all bird watchers. So you had five or six people walking around looking into the trees and falling over everything and two people walking around with their heads down not seeing a single bird but looking at everything on the ground I, f I found a lot of humor in that I found it very very funny that we actually you know become so enamored with something so specific no I still think this is um, a spider wart um, it's not a, a spiral ginger well we might have to we might have to leave this with you for a, a total uh, ID but I mean, I guess what's interesting from from take you taking us through that is the things that you're looking at. So, you know, you talked about leaf shape, and I guess that's pretty vital, but also leaf position, because, you know, those of us who, you know, look at plants closely, you do realise that leaves have many different ways of arranging themselves on a stem. And that in itself can be really key. And also, again, the shape of the stem. I mean, obviously, if I see a a square stem I'm immediately thinking about uh, the Lamiaceae family and the mint family and that's giving me a, a steer so leaf shape leaf position and also as you say the the nature of the leaves are they hairy yes uh, and the margin the leaf margin uh, you know is it serrated or is it entire if it is serrated what kind of serration has does it have uh, we often get people posting very artistic photographs on the app trying to find out what the plant is, but the top and tail of the leaf is cut <laughs> off. So tip, not seen. So you can't see how it terminates, and that is, especially when you get to species level, that becomes really important. The, the petiole, you can't see because they've actually removed that in, in framing the photograph very artistically. And you can't see the leaf arrangement. Is it opposite? Is it opposite alternate? Is it um, in a wool? Uh, you know, all that kind of information tells a story that helps you to go to the right plant. And while all of um, the experts um, work on experience, we also have the broader knowledge embedded in where to go and look in terms of the family so that it's easy to then figure out which species, which subspecies or which cultivar it belongs to. And if, if there's any advice I can give people is do not try and send in artistic photographs to the app because that's not what you actually want. We, we're not going to give... Um, a, a scoring for the artistic value of the photograph but we are going to actually be really pleased if you give us a photograph that, that um, includes the shape of the leaf the margin of the leaf, the leaf arrangement petiole position, petiole insertion onto the stem, node detail, internode detail. And then, as strange as this may seem, the, the way the, the leaf tapers at the tip and ends is also important. So all of that information put together helps each one of the experts to sort of dive in and go and look for things uh, and, and come up with an answer or an opinion of what they think the plant that has been sent in actually is. 
I think the other thing that people actually tend to forget when they send in photographs is, is they send in a photograph of a single, it's a single photograph, a single angle. They do not actually consider the fact that A, the person on the other side, the expert that's going to review it, um, will be able to, won't be able to pick it up, turn it around, look at it, touch it, feel it, smell if there's any essential oils coming off it. So you as a app user is at a advantage in that you can see more, you can turn it around, you can actually consider various angles, you can really sort of pull things apart and look at it. Whereas um, the expert gets one photograph. I mean, you spoiled me today with four photographs, but usually it's a single photograph. And as I said, very often it is with lots of cropping of tips and tails and very artistically framed. By the way, I've actually um, looked at this plant and I actually now think that this is in fact um, blue ginger. Decorisandra thersiflora. Okay. And it's, it's the right area of the world, I think. No, this is actually, this is fascinating. Central South America, Atlantic forests, vegetation. But it is certainly tropics. Um, I, I first saw it flowering in, in um, Feng Shou. Uh, and I'm now growing it in a pot um, just outside my door uh, in the front garden uh, for the first time last year. It was spent a whole year in a greenhouse and it wasn't happy about that. But it's thriving in the front garden in this glorious summer we're having. You've managed to figure it out. That is uh, amazing. And this plant, is is it? she's finding it very easy to look after. I guess it is a, a relation of the Tradescantia group. It is. So it is. It's, it's easy, part of the... Yeah. Is it? Is it? It's part. It's still part of that same uh, that same group. So a nice and easy, and it's great that this plant is growing well for her. So I'm really glad you've been able to identify that. Do you ever you hit a complete dead end? What happens then? Oh, of course. The interesting thing is, is, is that yes, all the experts um, have a certain level of of expertise from experience and and working with plants and um, having you know a, a lifetime of of learning behind them. But um, it's such a big um, science. But there was a very particular one. that uh, It was a plant that somebody sent in. And actually, I, I keep, I, I've got a little cripsy sheet that I actually keep photographs and names of plants that um, I never knew, that I wanted to know, that I uh, felt that, you know, so, um, and I'm just looking through that at the moment. It was a really interesting plant. Um, uh, with the most amazing flowers and, and it stumped me and I, it took me nearly a year to actually find out what it was. Um, and that doesn't mean that um, I sat on, on the ID for that long. I just left it open for somebody else to actually go and find it and um, uh, identify it, um, one of the other experts. But it, it, is, uh, it was Podanthus ovatifolius, um, and it grows in the Chelsea Physic Garden. And it was initially incorrectly um, identified as Buddleia globosa. And when you see the flowers, you'll sort of see why it was, um, how easily it, it, it was e um, misidentified. But uh, when I, you know, uh, 
And it, quite interesting, there was a nice interaction with the experts on, on, on our Facebook group. Um, and we managed to actually whittle it down, find out where the photograph was taken, and then contacted the, the Chelsea Physic Garden and said, what on earth is this? We've now been through every possible possibility for this plant. Um, and we managed to actually find out that it was Podentes ovatifolius. Beautiful plant. Um, but it's one of those that, you know, that stuck... Uh, in the brain and I couldn't let it go um, so every time I had a little time spare I would go onto the internet and start looking mm. um, very pleased it, it's such an, a sense of achievement when you actually finally find the genus and species that it belongs mm. to yeah it really does make you feel good inside and I think that's the thing is that you know you can grill, build up your identification skills gradually and start learning about things like leaf shape and stem arrangement and different uh, genera and that way it, it is it, you build it up gradually and you can't be expected to know it all at once and I'm sure that you know there are elderly botanists who are still stumped by particular plants so we can all it's uh, every day is a school day right well for me this is this is one of the the real joys of of my career is that i studied horticulture then i went into landscape architecture and what i'm doing at the moment all of them have one thing in common and that is you never stop learning with landscape architecture, you work with engineers and architects and um, urban designers and uh, you, a, a whole bevy of specialists. Um, with horticulture, there's constantly learning about plants. Uh, it never stops. Well, that's a brilliant uh, thought to end on, Yaku. That's really great. And, uh, you know, may you continue to identify those gnarly, difficult plants for, for all of us who are getting stumped. <laughs> it's a great pleasure. Thank you very much. Now, just when you thought we had the plant identification for Rosica absolutely licked, an email came into my inbox from Yaku with an update. He writes, had a good look again this morning. I think my original ID of Dicorosandra thersiflora had been too hasty. It lacks the fine hairs clearly visible in the photos. Since we spoke, other than Dicorosandra, I've also considered the genera Calicia, Polia and Floscopa within the larger family of Comelinaceae. Of these, each of the genera are possibilities, but I think the more likely genus being Floscopa. Without flowers, it would be arrogant not to admit that more information and preferably flowers are needed to settle this one. Having said that, Floscopa seemed to fit the region where it is reported to have come from, has the basic leaf shape and arrangement and the fine hairs, and it, or rather Floscopa scandanes, seem to be as happy growing in wet soils and pond or stream margins to the extent there are some web pages that even advise growing it in open fish tanks and does submerge fish tank plants. I think the jury is still out on this one. So, Rosica, please do get in touch when you're plant flowers. We would absolutely love to have some pictures of the flowers so we could pin this species down for once and for all. But I hope that's really highlighted the skill that goes into plant identification and perhaps whetted your appetite for doing a bit of plant ID work yourself. That's all for this week. I'll be back next Friday. Until then, I hope your week is filled with good things and kind thoughts. Bye.
the music you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops and Quasi Motion by Kevin MacLeod. The ad music was by the Heftone Banjo Orchestra with the tracks Whistling Rufus and Dill Pickles. All are licensed under Creative Commons. See janeperone.com for details. <laughs> <laughs>